Stephen Fry did a BBC show called Stephen Fry Across America, completely unscripted. And so we're in the in the dump floor tasting Woodford Reserve. I'm like, Woodford Reserve, it has hints of blah, blah, blah. You know, I give them. And then they film. He goes, oh, yes. Uh, I remember parts of it. I haven't seen the show in a long time. Oh, yes. You're walking walking through the woods and and you're wearing your grandmother's wellies and and <laughs> what are wellies <laughs> rubber boots okay and and oh yes and your your dog she's wet <laughs> wet labrador and he just goes and the crew is just crying <laughs> it is it was yeah, I don't do it justice it's just funny For another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and we've got Ryan here today, and it is derby season here in Kentucky. Yeah, derby, obviously for us, is a huge deal. I mean, the whole city pretty much for a few weeks shuts down for this one race, you know, but it, it's truly an amazing event. The whole world is, like, focused on Kentucky, and it's just 
I'm proud to be a part of it. It's really great. Not only that, is we're actually on site today at a distillery that has a lot of connotations and associations with horse racing and horses in general, too. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to come to Kentucky, we always tell people the one distillery you have to see is Woodford because it's quintessential Kentucky. The drive here, you're going through the horse farms. It's uh, the rolling fields. I mean, and especially during springtime, the grass is green. The you know the trees are blooming. It's just a sight for. I mean, it's just out of this world. It really doesn't get any better than that. So I guess that's a good segue to kick this off. So today on the show we have Chris Morris. Chris is the master distiller at Woodford Reserve. So first, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, fellas. So we're going to kick this off by asking you a question. What was your first memorable experience with bourbon, good or bad? Memorable. Memorable. <laughs> well. My earliest memories of bourbon involve my mother. My mother and father both worked at Brown Foreman. That's why I'm here, because of mom and dad. And mom would have a glass of Old Forester and water as she cooked dinner. Not every night, but many nights. So I remember as, I can't remember what age I was, but I had to reach above my head to reach the countertop in the kitchen and we just had a little little ritual. I'd come in from playing outside, and I'd nod at the glass of Old Forester, and she'd wink at me, and I'd grab it and take a sip. And I thought it was the most vile-tasting stuff. <laughs> I'd make a face. She'd laugh. I'd put it back and run off. And we just did that. I don't know why we did it, but that's my first like memories. Yes, my see. first memories of bourbon in the kitchen at home. So talk about a little bit about your background and kind of coming up into the bourbon industry. So your, your parents worked for Brown Foreman, but how did that lead to you kind of was like, oh, summer internships or how anybody else kind of well, gets into Well, that's exactly the- how it started. Brown Foreman to this very day has a wonderful intern program for employees' children, relatives, friends of employees' children. It's, it involves usually about 100 young people a year, and you could be posted anywhere. Campbell Brown, who's now the president of Old Forester, jokes, he was posted in the mailroom. A Brown, and he's in the mailroom, and here's a guy named Morris. I'm interned with the master distiller, and that's how I got started. My father came home one day. He was a 41-year employee at Brown Foreman, always in production, and he said, "Um, you got an internship, and I said, great. What, what is that? I don't know what that is. And he says, well, you start tomorrow. And I hadn't even graduated from high school yet. It's a couple of weeks away from high school graduation, so it just blew me away. And uh, we drive down to uh, Brown Fullman headquarters where the old Forester Distillery was located, and there I am. I'm introduced to this guy named Lincoln Henderson, and I'm pretty much his apprentice. And because I went to Bellarmine, I was able, first of all, I must have done a good job because usually at the end of summer, everybody says goodbye and off you go. And I was asked, would you work while you're going to college? Would you want to do weekends or late shifts or holidays? And I said, yeah, because, of course, you get paid, number one. And it was fun. It was it was very exciting. And I just never left. I think Lincoln learned a whole lot from me <laughs> uh, as much as I learned from him because i became very involved in our, the Scotch whiskey business and involved in, because uh, Brown Fullman represented Scotch whiskey. And I worked for six years at United Distillers um, in the 1990s. 
And I spent a lot of time in Scotland, worked in Scotch distilleries, single malt distilleries. And I learned, was exposed to something I had never heard of as a bourbon person, finishing in barrels, sherry barrels, port barrels, Madeira barrels. So I was the one who got us started in finishing barrel um, experiments and hardwood experiments. So a lot of what you see now, almost everything you see at Woodford Reserve, I did it. I started it. So, I mean, Lincoln was was wonderful. He was a second father to me, but he was very old school. It was, this is how we've always done it. And I'm like, why don't we do it this way? Because that's not how it's done. Well, we did it. We changed. We <laughs> mm-hmm. changed. So let's talk about the Woodford grounds for a minute, right? Because this is actually the the site that's actually held four different names over the past 200 years. Yes, very, very typical Kentucky distillery, as you all know. Um, there's not a distillery that's historic that's on its original name. Um, one I've counted is on its eleventh name, uh, so we're on the on the short list at at four, and really three because the Pepper family, when they began distilling on site in 1812, um, you really in 1812 you didn't have modern distilleries, you didn't have a commercial distillery business. Uh, we've done a lot of research. And um, in the 1810 census, two years before the Pepper family came to this site, we know exactly how many people there are in Kentucky. There's just a little over 400,000 men, women, and children, 400,000. And we also know there are over 2,000 registered stills. So there's a, wow. there's a still, a distillery for every 200 people. Everybody was making what we would call whiskey. It wasn't whiskey as we know it today. So... It was just, hey, the peppers have a still. It was Oscar Pepper, the second generation of the Pepper family, who built our current distillery. And now we are in the 1830s, moving into 40s and 50s, and obviously the 1860s. We begin to enter the second generation of distillation. We enter the rise of commercial stills. And this beautiful stone building behind us had five pot stills in it at one time, very small pot stills, not like ours today. And it was proudly called the old Oscar Pepper Distillery. You name the distillery, usually after yourself, not always. And was Oscar old? No. Old by this time indicated that you were maturing whiskey in barrels. Old was just the signature for, I'm aging whiskey in oak. Old Oscar Pepper. His son, one of his children, James E. Pepper, um, there's a lot of detail, but basically he sells the company. He sells the distillery to a newly formed company, LeBrow and Graham. LeBrow was a second generation wine importer from Cincinnati. He was actually born in France. His father had started the LeBrow Import Company, and his partner was James Graham, originally from Louisville, living in Frankfurt. And uh, who's related to the, ironically today, is related to the Brown family uh, through marriage, but that wasn't a big deal back then. And they made a new company, LeBron Graham. And thus the distillery name changed only after Prohibition. Up until Prohibition, it was still the old Oscar Pepper distillery, LeBron Graham Proprietors. After Prohibition, it's now LeBron Graham, owned completely by LeBron's descendants. And then one of those really quirky, even with Brown Foreman's records, with our archives, we don't know how this happened. But in 1941, Owsley Brown I 
purchased this distillery. 1941, it had over 20,000 barrels of mature and maturing whiskey, 500 acres, this beautiful landscape you are describing, 500 acres, a working farm, beautiful distillery, paid $78,000 for it. <laughs> wow. And Lebro loaned the money. Oh, even that's even better. So like it was insider a, trading. It was a consignment on. sale. Yeah. And and still to this day we're like, how did this happen? But very very much Brown Foreman needed that mature whiskey coming um, out of out of prohibition and then prior to the Second World War. And very much that sale may have saved Brown Foreman. Yeah, absolutely. So really cool. So you're the one in charge of all the operations today. So kind of give us an idea of what makes your bourbon special or unique compared to other ones that are out there. Well, of course, we're all proud of the history of bourbon. We all talk about heritage and multi-generational um, influence. But the fun thing about Woodford Reserve is it's not an old whiskey. It's a new whiskey. We actually introduced it in the mid-1990s. And I think what makes it exceptional is it was the vision of Owsley Brown II. Owsley Brown wanted to create a new bourbon that we could grow into an international brand like our company had done, the iconic Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey brand. And through the development of Jack Daniels, from literally a handful of countries in the early 1980s to now it's sold in virtually every country in the world, we learned a lot about consumers from Asia to Africa to the Middle East to, of course, Europe. And we found, no surprise today, that there's a diversity of flavor profiles that these different cultures and countries prefer. Some don't like a real corn-heavy spirit. Some are all about drinking wine or beer or rum or malt whiskey. So there's this diverse palate preference across the world. And Owsley, as intelligent as he was, of course, he said, let's make a bourbon that I have bits of flavor in it that people around the world will find something in it they are comfortable with. In other words, the bourbon that everybody would like. Doesn't mean they're going to drink it, but at least they would find something that they'd like. And that was a, a tall order. And that meant this bourbon had to be fruity, tremendous sweet aromatics, spicy, plenty of wood, and malty grain notes. You kind of just hit like every, <laughs> like the whole color wheel, right? We, the entire we did, spectrum. We hit, and we have done tremendous research over the years. I've done this research in, uh, uh, in partnership with our R&D department at Brown Fullman headquarters. And we'll take all the great bourbons made by our, our colleagues in the industry, and you'll analyze them um, with, with um, analytical equipment. We'll go through our quality descriptive analysis program, of which I'm part of that uh, that team, and literally most bourbons are out of balance, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, one bourbon might be really bold and spicy, and another bourbon has tremendous oak notes, or our bourbons really caramel and vanilla. They're out of balance, but again, that's not bad. It's just their flavor skews one way, and you'll see right down the middle of the chart, what reserve is balanced, balanced, balanced. So it's the bourbon is right there. It's not the sweetest. It's got nice sweetness. It's not the fruitiest. It's got great fruit character, etc. So it is an absolute balanced bourbon. And again, that makes people really like it because if you like sweet, 
which reserve will be sweet for you. If you like fruity, it'll be fruity for you because we don't overwhelm any area of flavor. And that's one of the reasons I think I'm convinced it's so successful. And the second aspect is the package design itself. When that now standard, we call it, Wolf Reserve bottle was released in the mid-1990s, it was literally a revolutionary package. No bourbon. So good, somebody copied it, right? uh, (laughs) Yes, time and time again. No bourbon had ever looked like that. And consumers were, is that a cognac? Is that a bottle of cologne or perfume? What is that? It was so different, which was an arresting moment. People would stop and go, what is that? Well, it's bourbon. Oh, no, it can't be. We're going to give it a try? Yes. And so the bottle was our our foot in the door. And then once we had a glass in hand, it was all over. And we called the brand early on. It's the brand of substance and style. It looks stylish, but the whiskey was in the bottle. Um, Can you talk about, there's a misconception that people think Woodford is just aged longer, old forester, you know, it's pretty much the same thing, in which it's not. So can you kind of explain the differences? Oh, yes. And then um, you can go to virtually every bourbon distillery, and they have one or two recipes. It might have 38 different labels, but they're all going to taste different. Because even if you start with the same distillate, barrel entry proof, barrel, warehouse location, length of maturation, proof presentation, you can chemically make a different whiskey. Chemically, which means it will taste different. And what do I mean by chemically? It could have more wood components. It could have more esters in it because you've let it breathe more. Um, So that is very common across industry. But what we have done is certainly very different. Um, We did start the initial bottlings of of Wood Reserve were made at our Brown Foreman Distillery using the Old Forester uh, recipe, the grain recipe, but we did mature it twice as long to create a new flavor profile. And if you would taste it, taste it today, it doesn't taste the same. It, we had created a new whiskey, and then we added to that whiskey batching barrels of our triple distillation pot still whiskey. So we completely reconfigure that whiskey and make it absolutely unique. So we have developed a new strain of yeast. Extra long fermentation, a barrel that is only used for wood for reserve at our own brown form of cooperage. Everything is aged here, batched here, cut with our limestone water from the famous pepper spring. So it was easy early on for people to make that claim without knowing that everyone else was doing this. And basically what was the stick in the eye is we had resurrected this old distillery. So this new brand had a distillery. And some people in our industry didn't like that. Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Yeah. <laughs> I got you talking about, you know, chemical chemical changes and stuff. What is the future of distilling gonna be? Is it gonna be seems like it's turned more to a science or is it still gonna be an art form? Oh, it's definitely an art form. At least it is for us. Consumers, trade members will say, How can you tell us what your grain recipe is? It's on the website. You tell us what the proof point cuts are in your stills. It's all graphically uh, presented on the internet. It's in literature, 72% corn, 18% rye, uh, 10% malt. You tell us how long you toast and dry your barrels. Oh, it's it's no secret. How can you tell us people will copy? No, 
Those are just numbers on a piece of paper. Those are just concepts. You have to have this water. You have to have these stills. You have to have our grain suppliers. The list goes on and on. You have to have the terroir of Woodford Reserve. You can't make any bourbon taste like Woodford unless you're right here. And then it has to be our team, my palate, our still operators, our warehouse crew. Without this knowledge, without this experience, you can't make it happen. So while there is chemistry involved, while there is science involved, I have never seen a computer that could tell you if it tastes good or not. Well, and you're also one of the only distilleries that had their own cooperage, right? Yes, yes. That's uh, We were really, really happy uh, back in January. Our cooperage celebrated its 70th anniversary. Brown Foreman is the only whiskey company in the world that makes its own new barrels. Our cooperage is the oldest in the United States. So you start piling this on top of each other. You know, we are experts in wood, experts in barrel making, and having your own cooperage. Now we have two cooperages, one at Jack Daniels and one still here in Louisville, our original cooperage. We can make unique, specific barrels for not only individual distilleries, but even individual brands. So we have a Woodford barrel. That's different than an Old Forester barrel. That's different than an Early Times barrel. That's different than a Jack Daniels barrel. And the list goes on and on. Include our tequilas and our Canadian whiskeys. We make absolutely unique barrels to give our products specific color, flavor, and aroma cues. And I can literally look at our whiskey families. I can look at all the Jack Daniels whiskeys lined up, the old Forrester family, for example, and the Woodford family. And I'll tell you which one's which because each has a different color hue because their barrels are different. Now, they look the same. The barrel looks the same. But it's the contribution it gives the whiskey that's different. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. 
So I guess another question while we're still picking your mind about the whole process, um, you've been quoted as saying that you know, since you are a small distiller, you use less sour mash than other distillers, which gives you fresh grain in every batch. And I know I've gone to a liquor store and you read a label that says sour mash, but really what does sour mash mean? Well, and we are a sour mash bourbon, but our label doesn't state that um, for no particular reason. When it was designed, the label's so small, you can't put a whole lot on it, I guess. The um, sour mash process, which was perfected, all history tells us it was perfected in these four stone walls by Oscar Pepper and his distiller, James Christopher Crow. Didn't invent it. It was perfected and then began to teach the sour mash process. Because as you all know, we're, we're uh, famous for our sweet mash uh, style of whiskey that we presented both in a early master's collection and now in our new distillery series. So we experimented because that was one of those, hmm, everybody makes sour mash. Why? Well, that's the way we do it. That's historic. And there's a good reason for it, which we will discuss. But that's one of those, it's an example of, my wanting to know why. So why don't we make some sweet mash and see what the difference is? And true to form, some of our fermentations were corrupted. Other microorganisms took over. And you had to th- you had to make a decision. Distill it and have flavors that aren't good for reserve or maybe even are horrible or throw it away. And we had to throw away several mashes, which is expensive process. So that was a great lesson. So that's why Pepper and Crow recommended souring your mash. So it's all about pH. And they didn't know what pH was. pH was not uh, coined as a, as a, as a discipline until uh, 1909, I believe it was. So sour is acidic. They didn't have litmus tests. Exactly. Exactly. So basically we know bacteria don't like acid environments and yeast are comfortable in acidic environments. So if you don't want bacteria getting in your fermentation process, put acid in it, sour it. Uh, Beer will use hops. We're going to use spent grain, stillage, slop, spent mash, spent beer, whatever term you want to use. So the fermentation process, of course, develops alcohol. Alcohol is an acid, so our pH is dropping. Other acids are being created during the process as well by our yeast. So our mash becomes more and more sour. We will take a thin portion of that liquid after distillation and put it in our next cook, souring it, starting to inhibit bacterial growth, giving our yeast a chance to flourish. Now, because we are very small, our fermenters are small, one cooker, we have really good control over our process. Um, it's very simple as well. Um, not a lot of a lot of not a lot of pipes and, and coils and and 90 degree turns and et cetera. So we have a very clean system, which we will pump uh, steam through before we will fill a fermenter. So we can really keep our process clean. Not saying the others aren't, but it's really easy for us. And therefore, we don't have to add as much sour. And we sour in our cook. Some distilleries will sour in the fermenter. Some will sour maybe in the cook and the fermenter. We go only in the cook the mashing process. And we like to do that because you reboil your sour just to make sure nothing funky's happened. 
So we will be no more than 6% sour. And there's another thing you talked about, the fermentation process. A lot of distilleries do three to four days, but you guys do upwards of six to seven. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Back in 1979, when I was at the Brown Foreman Distillery, uh, still in my, um, pretty much my internship was, I was now a full-time, part-time uh, employee. Um, it was interesting to see a series of experiments that were conducted. And it's really interesting. Of course, at this time, bourbon sales are declining. So now we have some excess capacity, some excess time. Well, let's, let's do some experiments. And those experiments were of extended fermentations, five-day, seven-day, nine-day, day fermentations, or we would call them beers, nine-day beers, seven-day beers. And the analysis showed us that a lot of esters were formed, fruit character. And also, what everybody had known up to this point, that if you start to go a longer fermentation, uh, you're going to get some negative notes being produced, such as diacetyl or acetaldehyde. But then we found if you go longer, the yeast reabsorbs those negative notes and now starts to produce fruit. Wow, you find out something, right? So going back to Owsley's original vision, if you want a bourbon that's going to have fruit character that would be attractive to wine drinkers and cognac drinkers, long fermentation is a must. It's going to give you fruit character. And that's why we do it. That's interesting. So while we're talking about those experiments, we'll touch on that and then we'll start jumping into some of the derby stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you do in regards to the, some yearly releases at the distillery, Master Select, all these different things. Um, you've had two recent ones, uh, 1838 style white corn, uh, sweet mash redo, uh, frosty forward. Talk about those and, and kind of the differences of, of what you're doing in regards to the experiments. Yes. Now, as we have been successful with the brand, growing the brand, it gives us the great luxury of expanding our offerings. So, of course, we have double oaked. So now we have straight whiskey, straight bourbon, straight rye, a double barreled program. We've always had, not always, but we have the Masters Collection, which are standalone, unique whiskeys. And now, most recently, the Distillery Series, which is sold only in Kentucky. So it's it's our gift to people who visit Kentucky and come to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. They can find something at, you know, some really nice shops or even some nice bars, but certainly here at the Visitor Center, unique whiskeys that they can't buy back home. So the distiller series, Frosty Four Wood, Double Double Oaked, Sweet Mash, and two more that are going to be out this summer are usually experiments that had been conducted in the master's collection development, and they're really good, but they just haven't made their way in the queue. I have got master's collections in warehouse right now that takes us through 2023. We literally have more good things than we can possibly make. We just can't do them all. So the distillery series has given us a little creative outlet. We can do these three and four barrel releases, which are really cool. Um, I would love to do an 125 barrel release, but again, we just can't get them all out the door uh, because each one takes time away from making Woodford Reserve, Woodford Reserve Rye, and, and now Double Oaked. So the distillery series, again, are very small releases. The Master's Collection is a larger release, but it's produced only one time and it will never be repeated. And it's now becoming for a global audience. It's a 750, unique pot still shaped bottle, mimics our, 
our stills. It's a proprietary bottle. It's our glass. It's ours. And um, they're always the first of their kind ever. Well, number one, no one's ever triple distilled a rye whiskey. So sort of by default, we have the first triple distilled rye whiskey, the first triple distilled white corn whiskey. So it's easy to be a first, but then we go to the extreme. We have the first whiskey in four wood in the history of the world, not just bourbon, the first whiskey and the only whiskey that's ever been in four different barrels. The first whiskey to ever be finished in a maple barrel. We made the first barrels out of sugar maple at our cooperage. So again, our whiskeys are always whiskey history. They are the first of their kind. And um, early on, I made sure people knew you're tasting whiskey history. You might not like it because it's never been done before. You might love it. But what we can guarantee you is you've never tasted anything like it before. You are tasting whiskey history. So I'm going to make you choose a favorite child here. <laughs> oh. So so if out of all of the master's collections and all of the distillery select collections, what's what's got to be your top favorite that you would say you're going to you're going to put your stake in the ground, you're going to go to You're going to bunker your, a few of those you're bottles. Going, you're going to go to, you're going to go to your boss's boss's boss and say, "We want to expand the line. This is the this is the one we want to do." Oh, I didn't know we were going to put it in those terms. Oh, I'm so. I'm telling you, go bigger go home here. Well, I was going to say um, and this is not a sales pitch. This upcoming November's Master's Collection release, I think is the best ever, but of course I can't tell you what it is. Of course. Um but you in, can. Yeah. 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 I won't. <laughs> I won't. Um, the Masters, uh, the, excuse me, the Distillery Series, of course, we've just had three, three released right now. But overwhelmingly, the Double Double Oaked has been a huge hit. And we don't have a promise like the Masters Collection. Uh, we have not said we will never <laughs> do a, a Distillery Series again, um, a repeat one. And I think it's been so well-received and so much re- request for it, I could see that becoming a product in the future. There's no plans for it now, but I would that would be one I would be very comfortable having as a, a, an extension of the Double Oaked brand. So, yeah, it's not surprising because the Double Oaked is so popular with yes. everyone. And that, I just, Double Double is, is just so rich. Um, kind of talk about the process. I mean, we, we all know what the double oaked is. Well, what's what makes the double double oaked very doubly good? I don't even yeah, know how you'd yeah, say it, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, and some things, as I, I tell people, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, some things are just easy falling off a log. The, the process that we've applied uh, for with the TTB that defines double oaked is fully mature Woodford is entered into a, a second barrel that's brand new, toasted and charred to a different level than the Whiff Reserve barrel. And it will be in that barrel for no less than six months and no more than 12 months. And usually 10 months is our sweet spot for double oaked. So I'm like, well, let's do it again. Do it again. <laughs> keep keep it in that barrel for not one year, but two years. Double the double oaking process. So that's all double oaked, double double oaked is. It's double oaked in the barrel for two years instead of one. Is the next one triple oaked in November? <laughs> <laughs> We've had a few uh, a few laughs about how far can we, again, it has to taste good. It has to taste good. Uh, but yes, I've got barrels now in their third year to see how they're going to turn out. 
Why not? Interesting. Why not? So let's go ahead and we'll, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. And, you know, Derby Seasons Among Us and, and Woodford has affinity with horses. So ca- talk about some of the ties that Woodford has with the, the horse racing industry in itself. Oh, sure. Um, Woodford Reserve, uh, of course, notably, is the first ever bourbon that Churchill Downs asked and endorsed to become the, the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. And all those years the Kentucky Derby has been run, it's never had an official bourbon. So we're the first and only, which we're very, very proud of. And of course, that led to the development of the Derby bottle that confuses people. It's Woodford Reserve. It's not a special whiskey. Mm -hmm. It's a special bottle. It's a commemorative bottle. It's a work of art. Um, So that has been a lot of fun. Um, The Woodford Reserve Turf Classic is the number one grade one stakes turf race in Kentucky. It's, it's, It's the Kentucky Derby of turf races. In, in the Commonwealth, which is very exciting. Uh, so we're very proud of that. Um, but a lot of this goes back to Brown Foreman in the Brown family. Um, uh, Alsley Brown II's father was a thoroughbred breeder. The first female jockey to ride in the Kentucky Derby, 1971, Diana Crump was on Mr. Als- uh, Mr. Lyons' horse, the Fathom. Didn't win, of course, but... The Brown families had horses in the Derby. Brown Foreman executives have been leaders of the Thoroughbred Association. And this very site, the Pepper family, James E. Pepper, sold this distillery so he could become a leading horseman. And he had Isaac Murphy as his jockey. He won several Kentucky Oaks. He had major horses. And he learned all that on this very property. In fact, two of his horses were named after his sisters who were born as he was in the Pepper Farmhouse, which still stands up on the hill here behind the distillery. So there's a lot of horse racing history. And then we have had our own Woodford Reserve stables. We have been horse owners and racers. Not very good at it, but we have done (laughs) it. Stick to bourbon. Yes. (laughs) So you you own horses. Do you have any of those like favorite horse names that you had over the years or anything like that? Well, we had uh, like Reserve My Heart. Uh, you, <laughs> nice. know, you know, trying to play off the uh, the the Woodford Reserve name. So uh, um, again, none of them were oh, one one earned a little money, but we we weren't good at that. Uh, Derby time, you know the the drink of the season is the mint julep. Yeah, love it or hate it, I love it. But uh, yeah, talk about your thousand dollar mint julep the thousand mint uh thousand dollar mint julep program for wood reserve i'm very proud of because of course number one it benefits a worthy cause the proceeds go to charity and and we vary the charity from year to year just to try to to spread the um um the contributions we make yeah i think this year's charity is the permanently disabled jockeys fund yes yes and the thousand element julep has just been such fun. It's been uh, it led to the creativity, I believe, in the world of mint juleps because we, we took a staid old style of drink that, uh, as Ryan said, a lot of people didn't like. They they sort of held their nose and drank it because you're supposed to <laughs> right. at Derby. And we've made it exciting and delicious. Um, we started making the drink ourselves but starting to experiment with different types of mint, different sugar sources, bringing double oaked in at one point, having a lot of fun with that. 
But now we've been engaging some of the leading bartenders in the country to design a new style of, of mint julep for use in the $1,000 mint julep program. And, of course, the cups have been works of art. We've had cups from Tiffany and Billy Reed <laughs> and this year Hamilton. So we have designers making these beautiful cups, some out of silver, some out of pewter, some gold-plated. They've all been different each year, different logo, different appearance. Um, and we we have a number of people who have bought one each year. You know, they're collectors now, which is really tremendous. Some of the ingredients now, I don't know if this is fact or fiction, but is the ice actually from like chiseled out of a glacier that's the Bavarian or yeah, <laughs> flown into in, in, Kentucky? In the past, it was. In the past, it was. So we, we moved away from Exotica and into the bartenders making making just a great drink but yes uh, f- our first ice was from the from the arctic uh, we had some guy named um uh yens who went into the bavarian alps and got ice for us and never met yens but he said, shipped the ice over and people how do you do that there's this thing called ups that flies <laughs> into Louisville. yeah so uh um uh, first year we had moroccan mint maybe the only time the ambassador of to the U.S. from Morocco was with us. And, you know, that's, it's pretty cool things. So are they sold just like a millionaire's road during Derby? Or like, where do you get your hands on a thousand dollars in julep? It's, it's a very democratic process. So we will uh, release uh, the cups in a couple of weeks on a website. We're going to have a press conference at Churchill Downs and the cups will be immediately uh, start to sell. And you go onto the website. We have two levels of cup. Always the gold cups now are called the master's cups. And then we have the craft cups, which are the the pewter with highlights of gold in them. And that's the $1,000. So there's a $1,000 level and the gold cups will be a $2,500 level. And you go in, log in your information, put in your credit card number, and boom, that cup is yours. And you might specify, I want cup 31 or I want cup number 10 or I'll just take whatever cup I can get. Sometimes cups have horse names on them, have different themes, of course, each year. And you will print out a certificate. Of course, we'll have your information and you can fulfill that that dream. That dream, exactly. (laughs) One place, one day a year. So you come to the track, you come to the special Wood Reserve $1,000 Mint Julep Experience Tent, which is down by gate 10 and we've got a beautiful setup and we treat you like you're a Hollywood star. You're, we have our own red carpet, literally. And we will make the, your drink for you, f- photograph you. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a well done program. Now, if you, you can't come to the track and you have a friend, uh, for example, the most expensive $1,000 mint julep we sold, as far as I know, it's still to this day the most expensive drink ever sold. A woman in New York paid 22000 $222.22. Why? I don't know. <laughs> she paid all that money for a cup that had Barbaros' name on it the year after he passed away from laminitis. So the next year, all the money raised was going to the laminitis foundation. And she was not coming to the Derby. So her instructions were give the cup to Barbaros' owner. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we did a little press thing up on the up on the finish line suites and did that. 
That's that's, that's so amazing. That was really cool. So talking about with that still. So this year's uh, mint julep recipe was developed by a New York based mixologist. Her name was Julie Renee Williams. And when it comes to these mixologists, and they're making the cocktails with a thousand dollar mint julep. Is there something that they're doing that's very unique? Yes. Uh, every single year. Yes. And uh, part of the, the the hard hard chores that uh, master distillers have to do is you have to go meet with the bartender and taste their creation and maybe even tweak it because have you ever like given it back and like no that's not, not for work. me <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh, because my my rule of thumb is it's a wood reserve mint julep you got to taste wood for reserve let's don't go too creative let's make sure woodford shines through so yes i've gone up to new york back in november i met with julie she's a tremendous person and she has done a, tr- a great job in really bringing out the Wood Reserve flavors in this year's mint julep with, again, something I'd never heard of before, a whole new way of sweetening a mint julep. We can't talk about that, can we? All right. We're not going to talk about you'll what that pay, is. It's, it's pay another secret. Find out. It's another secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. And then the last thing we'll kind of plug is that this year's cups are also designed by a menswear designer, Hamilton Shirts. Yes. So that's uh, it's also based out of Houston. So how did you guys get in contact with them? Was it just something that they just said, we've got a great idea. Let's go ahead and do this? Or is it? Yes. Now, the the um, you know the first couple of years, if you said $1,000 mint julep program from Wood Reserve, if you weren't in Louisville, Kentucky or Lexington, people go, what are you talking about? Now. What's a mint julep? Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, designers, people are contacting us. Can we be involved with you all? You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's just the opposite. We're like, we have so many very kind offers that uh, you can't, again, take them all. It's not hard to find a good partner today because people want to be involved with us, which is just tremendous. That's not a bad thing to have. So I think that's going to wrap up the show today. We've, we've definitely gone over our 30-minute mark, which is a good thing because we, we've hit on a lot. We've, we've picked your brain, kind of learned more about your process, learned about your brand, talked about Derby. I mean, I think we hit pretty much everything, right? I think so. I mean, yeah, what what else? I mean, that's all the best things that Kentucky has to offer, Woodford Derby, you know. And if what you else do is come, there? we've always said it before, if you do come here and we are talking about Derby, and when you do come here for Derby season, please make sure you come visit Woodford Reserve because as you're as you're driving down uh, some of the streets here and you're going through the rolling fields and seeing the horse farms, it, it truly is picturesque of what Kentucky is all about. So uh, I always tell all my friends that they say, we only have time to visit one distillery. What do we do? You go to Woodford. Absolutely. Easy easy decision. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So, Chris, again, thank you for being on the show today. Our pleasure. Great. So, if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, like us on Facebook, all those great social media places. Yeah. And if you have any uh, show suggestions, guest suggestions, um, feedback, we, we want to hear it. So, uh, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.